Welcome to Imran's podcast, episode number 113. This is your host, Suman Silwal. I'd like to welcome Julia Kwasetsko to Imran's podcast. Julia, how are you doing today? Doing fabulous, thank you. Hey, uh, we, we saw each other at Chicago. Uh, we were in the same pace group. You were my co-pacer. We were running together. You were running your 211th. Uh, marathon ultra and I was running just only 101 so <laughs> <laughs> I think we blew a lot of people's minds saying how many between between two of us how many marathons and ultra marathons we had uh, especially those uh, running the first timers but but it was great having you at Chicago and uh, running with you there's a lot of backstory we can talk about that a little bit later but but welcome to Emron's podcast thank you so much for having me on your show it was great meeting you and running Chicago with you I never thought it was going to be such a challenge with it being such an easy course it never occurred to me that my watch wouldn't work the entire race <laughs> yes yeah watch wouldn't work Uh, everything just kind of went off. Uh, things were just not the way. Usually in downtown Chicago, it's always like that. But once you get out of certain area in Chicago, their watch will work. But thanks for those uh, uh, charts uh, that, that we had uh, that we had to go with. And um, you're a consistent pacer and you're always in my bubble. That's what we talked about before. <laughs> I, could always, I always saw you and I even told my people and said, hey, you know, if anything happens, you follow her. You know, you're like a, my first a mentor. Uh, she was just like you. She could go in that pace consistently forever. That's what she used to tell me. And then, then, then there you were. So that was a great. That's uh, exactly what I said. I can do this pace until the cows come home. <laughs> and sure you did. Uh, it was great uh, since I saw you in Chicago. So you have done several marathons already. Let's talk about that a little. I did the New York City Marathon since I saw you. And that was my 212th lifetime marathon. And the reason that I've been saving that, it's significant because 212 is the area code for New York City. And that's the only area code I ever had. I'm a lifelong New Yorker. So it was very significant to do my 212th marathon in the city that is 212. So that's great. Uh, do you uh, pace a lot or, or do you do most of them are racing? How, how do you manage between racing and pacing? These days, I pace most of the races I do. I choose two races a year that I actually go for and really race. The rest, I pace either a large group like the New York City or the Chicago Marathon, or I pace individual clients. I'm a running coach and a licensed massage therapist and a yoga teacher. And all my clients are runners because I teach yoga for runners. And all my massage clients are runners. So sometimes I'll just do a race with one person and I pace that person to their goal race. These days, I pace much more than I physically race. Wow. So how do you differentiate between pacing and racing? How, how do you, which one do you like better, going all out or pacing which you're helping somebody else? They're so different. Um, when I'm going for a goal race, I'll spend four months focusing on it, and then it's just about me, but sometimes the conditions aren't right. Sometimes I can't control the weather or other, thing, other factors. I enjoy pacing more because it's not just about me. It's about somebody else and their goals and their dreams. And it's my honor. It's my privilege to help them achieve their goals. It just means so much more to me when we cross the finish line and they have a PR or a BQ. It happened twice only, but it happens. And when it does, it gives me such joy because I know I had an instrumental role in that. And that to me is everything. Definitely, definitely helping others. Uh That's what I end up pacing a lot more these days, too. Uh, I like as much as I like to race. Uh, 
Some days I feel like my racing days are over because the amount of things I have to put to a race versus pace is much different. And um, also pressure that I put myself <laughs> pacing, it's much different. But definitely, before we go much deeper in this conversation, let's just uh, talk about your running journey. Uh, you have a great story. Um, tell us that you were running, running journey. How did you start running? And uh, we can build from there. I was being treated at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in the late 90s, 97, 98, and I was there pretty much all the time. For about eight months, I was there all the time, and one day when I was there, I was lucky enough to catch the New York City Marathon. My treatment lasted for hours, so I wheeled myself over to the window like everybody else did, and I watched. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't sure what was going on. You know, in New York City, we have a lot of uh, filming of movies, so I thought it was a movie at first. It occurred to me later, because an orderly or a nurse, somebody mentioned it, that it's the New York City Marathon. Of course, I've heard of the marathon, but I've never seen it before. And so mm. I watched for hours. First, I was a little bit surprised. You know, these people, they were all so very uh, different. Some were skinny and some were not. And some were young and some were old. And some were fully bodied and some were disabled. I saw a woman that was blind running with a tether. And I saw a man with one leg. I saw all kinds of things. So first I was like completely intrigued. And then I got inspired. And that inspiration, I watched for hours and I saw one thing that they all had in common. They were all healthy and they looked happy. And let me preface this by saying this is mile 16 of the course. So they hadn't hit that proverbial wall yet. I noticed they all looked happy and healthy. And at that time in my life, I would give anything to be healthy. I was dealing with a brain tumor and I was very not healthy. And I decided then and there, if God ever gave me the chance, I was going to leave my wheelchair. If I was going to have that opportunity, I was going to run the New York City Marathon. And so I made a deal with God that day, and I started working on getting strong enough to one day be on that side of the glass, on the other end, other not end. inside looking out, but on the outside looking in. And that's how my journey started. It took a few years before I could physically be strong enough to walk, much less run. But in 2005, I started running, not just walking. It took me a couple of years before I could actually get there. But eventually, I did my first race. It was a 5K, and it was a race for hope. And uh, it was for the National Brain Tumor Foundation. I felt it was important to give back. And that later that year, I ran my first marathon for the Friends for Michael Foundation, which raises money for um, families that are dealing with a child who has brain tumor. And so that's how it started. I ran my very first race and I was going to do just one race. But then something happened in the process of training for that race and raising funds and raising awareness. I became the person I've always wanted to be, someone I could be proud of. I came back to the office. In those days, I was working at Morgan Stanley. I came back to the office and I was no longer cancer girl. I was runner girl. And to me, that title meant more. <laughs> I like that title more. And so Runner Girl was born, and I was on a mission, and I hadn't stopped. One marathon led to two marathons, and two marathons led to three marathons. And the last 14 years have been all about running marathons. Wow. What a story. Before, uh, you were not a runner or any athlete or anything like that, correct? No. Before, I would only run to catch the bus. <laughs> Just to get from place to place, catch the bus. I have so much to ask. I don't know what to ask again. Such an inspiration story. Uh, how did the running help you to get up and go? I mean, you mentioned that already a little bit. To be where you are now, we're, we're looking at 
You had done 112 marathons. 212. I'm, I'm sorry, 212. <laughs> <laughs> and marathons Big and, difference. Yeah, marathons and ultra. Um, that's, uh, I mean, and just to have that cars to, I mean, yes, everybody have a, has a goal. You wanted to be that healthy person. But having that cars and just doing that, tell us, how did you get that cars? I know that you mentioned that you, you made a... Uh, deal with God, but then still, you're human, and you have to do this, correct? We all run our, we have to put one feet after another. How, tell us that journey. Well, I decided that I was going to give everything I had to running that first race, and it took me six months to train for it, and during that process, I became very disciplined. Whether I wanted to or not, whether it was raining or not, I went out and did my workout every day that I was supposed to because I knew that that's the only way I was going to get to the finish line. And during that process, I something happened in me. I liked the discipline aspect of it. I enjoyed getting the work done and checking it off. And even if nothing else happened that day that I wanted, at least I got my morning workout in. And the person who became through that process is the person I enjoyed being, somebody who was dedicated. And something about reaching your goals to me is really important. When you set a goal for yourself, even if you can't grasp it at the beginning, it's out there. It's a carrot. It basically is the reason that I got up and did my workout. And I liked having that goal so much. As soon as that goal came to fruition, I set another goal. I liked having a goal. I liked having a purpose. I liked being able to raise funds. It gave me a sense of purpose and fulfillment that I've never known before. That running did for me something that nothing else has ever done for me, not going to college, not anything else, not my personal like life before running ever made me feel that fulfilled. And so it just filled a need and provided much more than just my need because I was able to raise funds. And to me, that was important at the time. I was running for a reason. So how different, uh, once you decide to be a runner, take that step. I mean, your life has changed forever for now. That's a result. We can we can look at how many races you have done and you love it and continue doing that. Uh, tell us about how much do you feel you have changed in you? I know you have overcome. Did the cancer overcome because of your running? And, and tell us about that part as well. When did you completely recover or, or do you still have to go back? Lucky for me, I'm completely healed. After seven years of being in remission, I'm no longer on the watch list. And I don't have to go back every three months or every six months. It's been many years. I'm a 20-year survivor. Wow. But in the first seven years, it was every three months I went back to be scanned. I did a test called an EEG, which measures the brain activity to see if there's any more tumor activity. And every year, I went and got a CAT scan to see if there's any kind of growth happening for the first seven years. But thank goodness, I had my running always as the one aspect that gave me strength and courage and fulfillment and a goal. I felt like I was committed to something bigger than myself. It wasn't always about me. It was about this charity or that charity or this run or this run. Once I committed to something, I went full throttle into it. And that was important for me not to feel sorry for myself. Instead of why me, why this? It was, okay, I'm going to do this race. Why not me? If not me, then who? Who's going to raise money for XYZ charity? And so it changed my focus. It changed my perspective. 
running pretty much made me change who I was back then. In my 20s, I was a student and a, a party girl. And I also had a full-time job and going to school part-time. But I wasn't focused on who I was. I was just doing everything I had to do to be a member of society. But then my focus changed to, I'm going to do this race and raise this money and raise this awareness. And I told everyone in their families I was doing this race and I was raising <laughs> this amount. And I just became focused. And I liked that person more. I wasn't scattered brain. I wasn't just doing the motions. I was authentically doing something that I believed in. Definitely. That sounds sounds like it, too. Um, so so that's so, so encouraging to just listen. Uh, you talking about that. Uh, looks like uh, running has not only given making you healthy, but it's given you purpose in life. Uh, I guess through running, you found a God. Uh, a lot of time I talk about that. And through running, <laughs> I found a God and that's within me and, and around me and in the uh, we we can talk about that, but but tell us uh, about uh, just uh, now you you went through five k, so on and trying to get to that marathon. What was your first marathon for uh, whenever you? My said? first marathon was the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington D.C. It was two thousand and five, and the reason for that is because for New York City Marathon, which is what I wanted to be my first, it takes time to get in. You can't just decide I'm going to get in. <laughs> so. <laughs> I did my nine plus one races, and then the next year I was able to get in. If you're a member of the New York Roadrunners, which I joined instantly when I could, when I was physically able to, and I did my nine uh, races that year. It was a 5K, a, a, you know, a 10K, a little baby races all year long, and then you earn the right to get into the marathon the following year. But I didn't know that when I first joined. So I was training for the marathon. And of course, the Marine Corps is a week before New York. And I was training for New York. So it only made sense that <laughs> I do the Marine Corps. And that's that's how that happened. So training uh, for the for the marathon back then, uh, were you still in treatment? Uh, it sounds like you were and doing the treatment, correct? Were I was in and out of treatment already in 2001. And I didn't run the marathon until 2005. So I was out of treatment, but I was still relearning how to use my body post-operatively because my brain tumor was in my motor skills. Mm. I worked with a team of doctors and physical therapists to relearn how to use my body and not live in a wheelchair for the rest of my life like one doctor told me I would. And I was 25. You don't tell a 25-year-old she's going to live in a wheelchair your whole life. Wow. So... It was the discipline I needed to train was also the discipline I used to learn to stand, learn to walk, and then eventually learn to run. I was already becoming that marathoner even before I was a marathoner. <laughs> so tell us in, the, in this process, uh, who motivated you? I, mean, I know you talked about the runners, but, but there has to be a mentor, a runner, somebody kind of say, okay, let's do this thing. So tell us about that part of the, your story where uh, where somebody said uh, beyond you, I mean, there has to be somebody enable you to, to go to say, okay, you can do this. I was in the pediatric ward when I was being treated because my kind of tumor was only seen in children, not adults. And I was 24 when I first got into the hospital. And all the children around me, some of them didn't have any eyelashes, some of them didn't have any hair, but they all had spirit and they all had like amazing heart. And they were so brave. They taught me and somehow I became stronger through them. I should have been the one to be strong, but no, they were stronger than me. They taught me. The children in the pediatric ward dealing with cancer 
were amazing, and I wanted to give back to them. So I learned about Fred's team, which is an organization that raises money for Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, which is what I did. And they enable you to take the funds that you raise and direct it to the specific part of the hospital. So I donated all my funds that I raised, and I raised thousands that first year. Back then, I was working in finance, and money was good on the street still. So you send an email to all your friends and colleagues, and then if they ponied up 25 bucks, then Morgan Stanley would match their donation, or Deutsche Bank, or whoever bank. And so money just rolled in, and I just kept sharing my story. I've overcome this. I'm running 26 miles to raise money for this hospital for these children that are still fighting. And I guess I pulled on everyone's heartstrings because I shared my personal journey and I raised a lot of funds and I felt very empowered to give all that money back to the pediatric ward. I felt that I survived, honestly, to do this. When I submitted all my paperwork and all the funds were there to the hospital and I got a thank you letter, it meant everything to me. I kept running. I kept doing my training because I had committed. I had all these people who knew I was going to run the marathon. I couldn't let them down. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And you, you you did that. Let's move a little bit forward. Uh, let's actually talk about uh, you running first in New York City because that's your love is in New York. You're a New Yorker. And uh, tell us about your, your first New York City marathon when you were on the other side of the glass. It was 2006, and I was running past Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. It was mile 16, and I had my Survivor shirt on. It was Fred's team, and I wrote Survivor on my arm, and I high-fived everyone. I high-fived all the orderlies and all the nurses and everyone, all the patients. It was a beautiful sunny day, and I literally had tears in my eyes as I was crossing the bridge. The bridge from Queens to Manhattan around mile 15 and a half, I knew it was coming up and I started to well up. Remember that girl who was once in a wheelchair watching the race. I was going to pass that girl when I passed by that hospital. I knew I had left that girl behind. That weak, very scared little girl had become the runner, the strong marathoner. To me, marathon represented good health and I wanted so much to be that <laughs> strong, healthy girl. I was welling up. Tears of joy and gratitude in my heart that I've never known before happened when I passed Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. I knew <laughs> that it means I had left my cancer behind and I was honestly moving on to a better version of myself. And you sure you did. So this year, the 212, tell us about what number New York City Marathon is that for you? It was my 10th New York. And you would think after 10 years, it would lose its impact, but it didn't. It was only stronger. As I was approaching the hospital, I told my group, I apologize, I'm going to start crying. And I shared my story with them and told them why this hospital is so special to me. And the group did the same thing I did. They all high-fived everyone and, and said, you go, Fred's team, because everyone in Fred's team raises money for that hospital. We all have a special bond. And a lot of people shared afterwards their story with me, why they're running their marathon. And I feel it's important to share your story because it gives people permission to share their stories. And I love hearing how people get started, what brought them to their first line, you know, to that starting line and how they got there. And to me, the next 10 miles just, just flies because <laughs> they share with me how they overcame. And you know what? Everyone has a story. Everyone has something that they overcame. And that fuels them. That empowers them. That keeps them motivated. Sounds like that mile 16 is so important in your life as a as a runner, as you go through the journey. Uh, uh, so every year you pass by, and not only that New York City, 
probably every marathon you think that mile 16 is the overcoming of you from the all the things you know could you you could have stayed back but you decided to move on you know so that's a yes. great I think ultimately we decide our fate. We decide what we're going to we're going to put up with or we're going to change. And whenever it gets challenging on the course, for me usually it's not mile 16. Usually it's mile 75. <laughs> <laughs> but when it gets challenging on the course, I remember that girl who once couldn't walk. I remember all the people that are still fighting and they would give anything to change places with me and I run harder for them. I don't think about my blisters or my pain or my this. I think about all those people who would trade places with me in a heartbeat and I run for them. Definitely. So that that I was going to ask you how how's every year when you pass by it seems like it's every year passing by mile 16 and the, and the New York City Marathon is an emotional place for you to reflect and be thankful. I'm so grateful. It yeah. never loses its luster. It always is an amazing part of my life. And I look forward to this one race. And I do lots of races all year, as you know. But I look forward to this one race, this one day, so I can pass that hospital with a big smile on my face and gratitude in my heart and high five everyone. Let them know that I was once them. And if I can be out here doing it, they can too. Definitely. One day there will be another Julia out there running trying to overcome the cancers or so so enjoying the life, uh, just like what you have done. You know how important it is to give back and to inspire others. I want someone to look at me and say, because of you, I didn't give up. Definitely, yep. That's uh, that's very important, and that's the message I try to put it out there for That's runners. why we pace, right? Exactly. exactly. We like to inspire others, and we like to see others fulfill their own dreams. Definitely, because uh, sometimes... You know, as a pacer, you know, we're not perfect, and we go through a lot of downs, even in Chicago. And a lot of pacing, I, I, I have a diff, my own difficult moment, but we don't show it because we wanted other to succeed at the same time and overcome their fears, their their problems, and we go along with them. So so it's a, it's always a great to pace. Uh, I actually paced 100 miles this uh, two weeks ago. Uh, that was my first time pacing a ultra marathon. It's a little different. How many miles did you pace? Uh, I ended up uh, pacing 45 miles. It's a little different than marathon pacing. <laughs> but, uh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, like two marathons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm only supposed to run 30 miles, but you know how that goes. That's a story I'm making now for my next uh, list of story I talk about on my races. So so you will, uh, I will talk about that on my this weekend, how I end up pacing, supposed to run 30 miles, end up running 45 miles. So that's interesting part. So how many marathon have you paced so far? Over 30, maybe closer to 40. I have a spreadsheet. I'm sorry, I don't know exactly, but I've paced a lot of halves too, okay. at least 30 halves. I just pace so much lately because I enjoy it. And the opportunity presents itself much more when you live on the West Coast, which is where I live now. There's a race, like at least one race every weekend, <laughs> sometimes five races, and you have to choose which one do I want to pace. <laughs> yeah, this time of the year in South, uh, I'm in Alabama, so South, we, we have a lot of races, and um, I'm between races too. So I, I don't like to, like I said, I the, the show that I bring bring in uh, in Chicago, we talked about I was the I was the guy who was bringing the show. You're the one who's leading the base group, so it's a show I had to bring, and it's always hard for me to bring it week after week. You know, it's fun and make people forget about what they're doing and just 
bring him to the finish line. So. You're definitely an entertainer. You're a showman. I was just a, a metronome keeping the pace. But you got the crowd excited, got the runners excited. You were talking and you were applauding and you were just a showman for sure. Yeah, definitely. So tell us about uh, going from the marathon. You have done a lot, a lot of ultra marathons as well. Tell us about going to the marathon distance, ultra marathon. For you, why why that challenge you, you, you put yourself into? Well, I joined a group called the Marathon Maniacs. And by joining that group, I gained a great deal of friends all over the country and ran a lot of marathons all over the country. We all pretty much wanted to achieve something. And the goal of being a marathon maniac was to get to the highest level for me. As you know already, I like to chase goals, which is titanium. And that one year, I did 38 marathons in a year to get to that highest level. And so marathons became pretty simple between 2011 and 2012. I did so many that it was just my routine every weekend run, it wasn't posing a challenge anymore. So the following year, I decided to challenge myself. And I did my first 50 miler. And I decided that I actually enjoy going longer. And that allowed me to slow down even more. And I don't know, the 50 miler led to 100k. And then 100k led to 100 miles. And (laughs) I decided I actually prefer being on the softer terrain, which most ultras, as you know, are run on a trail, my aging body prefers trail to roads. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we we all? Even though sometimes I fall and I kiss Mother Earth, I don't mind. I just dust myself off and keep going. My hips and my knees and my ankles are grateful. Even though I'm going twice or four times as long as a marathon, I sometimes feel more beat up running on the road Perfect example, last January, I ran a marathon in Houston, and it's all concrete there in the South. I felt worse after that marathon than my last 100 miler in North Carolina, Umstead, and I felt great after the 100 miler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Those of us who can go fast, go fast. Those of us who can go slow and go forever, go long, and that's what I do. I'm in the latter camp. I don't go fast. I just go long. Yeah, I have slowed down a lot. Uh, I would like to go fast and long, but it's not happening. So, <laughs> so neither neither is happening. So, so I just have to stay back and figure out my training, how that will work. Talk about that running this much, uh, and then are you afraid that something will come back, or are you? Is is there any medical situation where where people talk about that, um, where uh, where you do too much, we're putting too much, what do you call? Exhaustion in your body, uh, uh, so so that uh, so so something will come back to you. You know, I'm talking about the cancer. Do you think? Do you think is there, is there anything like that, or I'm just I'm just thinking because people always ask me those kind of questions, like you doing too much and you're gonna be this and you're gonna be that. You know, you hear that a lot. Um, people are always trying to tell me that I'm doing too much, but the reality is is that they would not be able to do it. Not that I can't do it. And I believe that if you listen to the body and you train appropriately, and I'm I'm a massage therapist, I know the body very well, and I'm very in tuned to my body. I personally became a therapist so I can be a better runner, so I can be a less injured, you know, less injury prone runner. And if you train appropriately, meaning you actually build slowly, remember, slow progression is the key to long-term results, then you cannot be injured. It's only when you go from zero to 60 overnight that you get injured. 
But if you give your body the right load and load it accurately over time, don't increase more than 10%, every week you get stronger and stronger and you build slowly, there's no way you can get injured. At least I have found if you take care of your body, if you give it the proper rest and good diet and, of course, massage, I'm a big fan of massage, and you load it appropriately, not overdoing it. So it seems like I'm overdoing it to an outsider, somebody who doesn't know that I run on a daily basis, but I'm not overdoing it. I'm giving my body exactly what it's conditioned to do. And it's been take it's taken me 14 years to get here. I didn't run every day before. Yeah, that's a, that, that's one part I definitely agree. Uh, people don't know or don't understand what we do. Uh, the other, other thing... Uh, Personally, what I have seen is that uh, some of the things that I see happening to me may not ever discover <laughs> if I was not a runner. Maybe I will have some other problems. But uh, I was wondering that uh, the running has uh, has speeded up to for me to get to that. Those are are, are just the aging and, and genetic and uh, and I don't know. I'm just uh, kind of thinking this loud and I, I have. <laughs> go through some time saying, hey, well, was it this from running or running so far or or is this going to happen to me eventually, No, you know, five years, 10 years down the road, you know? I don't think running speeds up the aging process or disease in any way. In fact, I think it mitigates it. I think I'm a better me. I'm a healthier, stronger me because I'm a runner. There are people who are going to get sick no matter what because of genetic makeup. But I think if you're an exercise fanatic like I am, like we both are, then you're going to somehow stall a little bit and not get to that point as quickly. I mean, we're all going to die in the end anyway, right? Right. You want to enjoy your life while you're alive and not be, you know, afraid to do everything. Definitely. I was reading uh, somewhere a post uh, saying that so the God look at this person saying, hey, he did so much in life. Look at him. <laughs> He's beaten up. He enjoyed his life, you know. It's like us, you know, we're we're bruised up here, and a running probably will limped to 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 the to the heaven, but till then I'm like like you, I'm gonna keep running. I we're, think it was Hunter S. Thompson who said, "I don't want to come to the pearly gates in a neatly preserved little package. I want to slide in broadside, thoroughly used up, screaming, woohoo, what a ride!" <laughs> Definitely. So let's uh, let's keep moving forward uh, in our talk. It's such an inspiring talk, talking about uh, your your journey. And, uh, tell us about uh, what kind of things, other things you do to motivate yourself. Uh, you know, running sometime, you know, running so much, you know, going week after week uh, can be, you know, exhausting. And uh, sometimes people, uh, you know, get out of their mozo, and it has, has happened to me. How do you keep yourself motivated to continue to run beyond whatever you do? Think about some of the things you do. So, so people who who go in ins and out all the time, running, you know, all the all the week after week, like what you do. Uh, t- tell us how do you keep your mozo in check and and motivate motivate yourself to continue running. Well, the first thing that um, I did was change my, my group of people around me. All the people that were negative about my running pretty much over the years went to the wayside and they were replaced with other runners. Most of my friends are also fellow runners. Like I said, marathon maniacs and 50 staters. I'm a two-time 50 state finisher. And as your circle of friends changes, 
your motivation changes because now people aren't thinking that you're crazy to go out every weekend and to run a marathon. Now you're surrounded by people who support you and who encourage you with their own crazy adventures and also who understand you. I think we all need our own ilk. A group of people that support and understand us is so important. And I'm not saying that we all have the ability to change all our friends, but we can at least add some of those people to motivate us in our own circle. I think everyone you meet falls into two camps. They're either going to support your journey or they're going to say you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't spend time with those who think that I'm crazy too often. I, I spend time with people that motivate me and support my journey and show me with their own lives what could be done. I never would have attempted to do as many races as I have if I wasn't motivated by other maniacs, other friends who've done crazy things and have put the idea in my head. The first time I did a double, a marathon on Saturday and a marathon on Sunday, was because of my husband. At that time, he was just my friend, and he was doing a marathon in Alabama one day and Mississippi the next day. And I thought, oh my God, that's crazy. But he planted the seed, and I went home and I thought about it. And you know what? It mushroomed. And the next year, I did the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my opportunity to meet people, to show me what can be done, what could be possible and open up my eyes. I've tried to do Mississippi and Alabama. A couple of years ago, I signed up for both races. Mississippi got snowed out, so <laughs> then there goes my double. I've never done a double. Uh, I like to do Well, like, there's so many other opportunities. You just tell me which double you want to do, and I'll meet you there. <laughs> I'm planning on Rhode Island and Connecticut in October next year because I'm working on round three, and I need Connecticut and Rhode Island for my third round of the 50 states. Let's do it together. Definitely. I definitely need to look at those doubles. And I have have seen how people uh, try to uh, put the race together uh, close by. And um, I've never done a double, triple. I mean, like I said, I can go and run a 50 mile or (laughs) 52 miles. It's no different. I mean, your body gets tired the next day, but it's already aware of what it has to do. You have that muscle memory, and it already knows how to do it. And it's only a marathon. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a 100-miler. How bad can it go? Exactly. Uh, Let's talk about your 50 state. Um, You you said uh, you have done twice already. Uh, You're you're going in third round. Uh, Tell us about uh, why why do all the 50 state? uh, What is... uh, So... So is it part of your challenge or you just want to see the world? How, how does that work? I love national parks and seeing a national park was my first motivation. I wanted to see Zion and Bryce and the Grand Canyon and there's races very close to, if not already in the parks. And so I went to see Wyoming because I wanted to see the Grand Tetons. And that's how it mushroomed. One state led to another state led to another state because I was chasing national parks. I love to run in nature because I was brought up in a concrete jungle of New York City. Given the opportunity, I would always want to go out in nature and see nature's beauty and run through it, especially now. And that's how that started. And then I met people along the way who were doing the 50 states. And I thought, what a great opportunity to see the country, to run through it, and to meet new people, and to be part of that town, even for a weekend, was always something special. So that's how that first journey started. I met my husband on a race in Wisconsin, and he had not done New York yet, and I had not done Alaska yet. 
and we exchanged contact and we both were chasing the 50 states and before you know it we were done with our first round and we wanted to do it again <laughs> <laughs> so whenever you do this uh, uh states uh, do you go to the same races or same areas or you try to pick different races how does that work no i try to pick a different race the best part is seeing a new city to running through a new area we have a beautiful country and that's i think a great way to see it is to run through it Definitely. And you have agreed to come pace the Chattanooga Seven Bridges Marathon. Hopefully you can still be able to do it. We can talk about that some other time, but, but definitely. And I would love to. I have a good friend who lives in Chattanooga, and I think that's another reason that I'm, I'm doing it again, because I want to see all the wonderful people I've met on my journey. It's all about the people. Seriously, the running is like second now compared to the amazing people I've met on the journey. That has been so wonderful. People I never would have had an opportunity to meet had I not been running next to them. Whether they're judges or they're janitors, it doesn't matter. When we're running, we're doing the same thing. We're in the trenches together, and it somehow it binds us. It brings friendships closer together. Definitely. That's what I say that about running all the time. And also, talking about running, if, I, if it was not running, I wouldn't be traveling as much. You know, I don't travel like you, but, but I do travel a lot comparatively. Uh, and I wouldn't be going to Livingston, Tennessee, or, <laughs> or Fort Benning, Georgia, which is I'm going next week, this weekend, tomorrow. So, so things like that, you know, there's a, there's not a reason for me to go. But um, but running has taken me places and meet a lot of a lot of people, like you said. And with the pacing, we get to see also we get to meet a lot, much more group yes. group of people, you know. I have an opportunity to meet a lot more people than I would if I was just running on my own. And I enjoy the camaraderie of it so much. I really enjoy that part. Definitely. When I'm racing, I hardly talk to anybody. So I probably don't even speak a word to anybody. <laughs> yes, because we're so focused on ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, you just want to run a race and you don't want to disturb anybody. But when I'm pacing, you you, you cannot stop me talking and <laughs> <laughs> going I on. know that firsthand. <laughs> but talking about this, uh, all this, uh, taking uh, taking yourself to all this uh, around the country, have you traveled also overseas? Do you do overseas races too, or are you only focused I on have. the U.S.? My husband and I are interested in doing a marathon in all the continents. So for my 40th birthday, we went to um, Australia, and we did the Sydney Marathon, and that was lovely. And I really enjoyed myself greatly. And I already have been to Berlin, which was wonderful also. And, of course, my favorite was South Africa. We did two oceans. It's um, ultra marathon, 56K, 37 miles from the Indian Ocean to the uh, Atlantic Ocean. And it was mm. beautiful. I, I really loved that part. Traveling really is my, my first passion. And I think running allows me to fulfill that need more than I even knew that I had until I became a runner. I've always been a gypsy in my heart. I, I love travel. <laughs> Definitely. Running will help because that way, you know, you have reason to be there. But sometimes my family is like, why are we always going to races? You know, <laughs> it seems like our traveling is races, but they know that that's the only way they can get out too. But, but talk about that. I don't that. get on a plane these days unless there's a marathon attached. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I almost did a marathon when I was in Europe this past summer, but I'm going back to Berlin. And When and I have to do a trip outside of a marathon, I first look, is there a marathon close by before I commit to the trip? <laughs> <laughs> 
I should have done that or or plan around the marathon just and then tell the family this happened to be there was a marathon, you know. Yes, that's how I get around it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So um, uh, tell us about you had a great story. Uh, you talked about your husband uh, who is also a runner. You have a great story about your weddings. Can you tell us about that happy story? It was um, a really serendipitous story. My husband and I met at a marathon in Wisconsin, the Pine Line Trail Marathon. I'll never forget that one. And we became friends. Um, a year later, he and I became intimately involved. And he lived in Alaska at the time, and I lived in New York. And we'd meet every month at a different state that we both wanted to do together. And this went on for a year. And then a year later, he proposed to me at a marathon in Louisiana in January, the Louisiana Marathon in Baton Rouge at the finish line. And of course, I said, yes, I love this journey. He asked me if I will run the marathon of life with him. And I didn't want to stop. And so it was only fitting that we get married at a marathon <laughs> since a marathon brought us together. So when we were approaching our 50 state finish, the following year, we decided I contacted the race director and told him I want to get married on his course and ask him for permission. And it was the Maui Oceanfront Marathon in Maui in January, because that's our anniversary. And he said, absolutely. And he even helped me put it together. He connected me with the right people to make it happen. And I invited all my Marathon Maniac friends and all our 50-stater friends who wanted to come to Maui. A lot of people finish the journey in Hawaii because it's such a special place. Mm. And um, we had about 40 people running with us. And I had a wonderful outfit from RunningSkirts.com, which I'm an ambassador for. I had a beautiful veil a friend made for me from um, a running hat, <laughs> a <laughs> visor. Sorry, I lost my mind for a minute. And my husband had an ink and burn tuxedo that is just a running jersey, a biking jersey, excuse me. And we started the marathon as regular people and we crossed the finish line as husband and wife and 50 state finishers. At mile 17 and a half, we had an efficient Marius on the course. With this run, I be wed. <laughs> <laughs> and we crossed the finish line and then we went back and he picked me up and he took me over the threshold and he said, Welcome to the Marathon of Life with me. It was wonderful. That's a great story. That's a happy story to talk about because of the journey that you were on for such a long time and um, finishing a 50th state uh, with such a great story. So, so congratulations for that one. So They say a couple who runs together stays together. So we've been together for um, eight years now, and I think the running has really helped us cement our relationship. <laughs> I have to tell that to my wife. Uh, we uh, she's been running trail lately with me, so uh, beautiful. Uh, she has gone through a season of trail running with me, so hopefully we can continue that. You know what's lovely? How many people we've impacted over the years? How many people that we've actually talked to about, and some we don't even know we've impacted just by doing what we love. People look at us and say, "Well, if she can do it, I can do it." I know for a fact that many people have picked up this wonderful habit that we have simply by us doing it. We're infecting others. That's always a always a great great thing to do to help to motivate to people to do better. That's what I say. My life will be complete if I can encourage one person go run that distance and and uh, earn their medal and you know be proud about it. So running yeah. has been so good to me. The very least I can do is bring it to other people's lives. Definitely, same here. Running has been really good to me. Uh, so it has changed my perspective in life, and you know. 
So I'm hitting the age where, uh, or what I'm if I'm not careful, uh, it's uh, it can be my middle middle age can be very short. So I'm trying to extend that uh, genetic uh, making of myself and extend my life, and I want to see the world more. So through running, hopefully that'll be possible. Julia, we talked about so much things in this podcast. Uh, you you are such an inspirational person and pacer runner and you have done so much for the community that you serve uh, thanks for doing that uh, before we close this interview i just want you to give a word words of advice to all the runners all the people who are suffering and uh, think that they don't have a hope give the word of advice and uh, things that you have gone through your journey in life uh, from from being that person on the other side of class in New York City Marathon and running that marathon. So give us that words of advice to all the listeners, including those think that there is no hope. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. No matter who tells you what, it doesn't matter how many Harvard degrees they have or what lab coat they're wearing, they have no idea what you're capable of. They might know medical things or they might know other things, but they don't know what's in your heart. They don't know what kind of sheer grit exists in you. Never, ever, ever listen to the naysayers. Follow your heart and don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your goals. Never give up. Because even when you feel like you're going to hit the, you know, you're not going to make it, you just have to dig deep and find that inner strength because you are stronger than you've ever known. You can do more than you ever thought you could. You just have to believe in yourself and not give up. If you truly want to do something, I believe that the universe conspires to make it happen for you. If only you have the desire. That's the first thing. Have the desire to do something and then never, ever, ever, ever give up. What a strong statement there. And Julia to finish this podcast interview. Thanks for your time and uh, see you somewhere on the road. Maybe do some double marathon pace together and uh, have a great uh, <laughs> have a great <laughs> have a great running and and we'll catch up soon. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been lovely talking to you. See you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emran's podcast. Please visit emrans.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, get discount codes, and more.